Hour number two of Overtime, Fan Run Radio, Jake Miller, producer Matthew, intern Bryson. Logan Quentin needs to hurry up with these cookies, man. I love crumble cookies. Come on in, Logan. I got the door propped open, waiting on my, I think we're going to get a, like, you know, the animal cracker with the pink coating on it? I'll say yes. Yeah. They got one of those this week. There you go. They have new cookies every week. Every single week they have new cookies. Check what them out. when you really like one? What's that? So what happens when you really like one? Oh, that cookies and cream one we got a few weeks ago. Oh, man. That's the one I was thinking about, actually. Well, the thing is, like, I went and got a bunch of those. And we're just sitting there at the house. You know, the fiance and I were eating through them. And it gets the next week. I'm like, damn it. I didn't go get more when I had the chance. So now I'm going to have to wait. So there's no, there's no like, staple cookies at Crumble Cookies? No, uh, the chocolate chip. And the pink sugar, the only ones that usually stay in the rotation. But every now and again, they will do a, um, like a milk chocolate chip, mm-hmm. but salted. Ooh. It's really good. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. TJ, the Kentucky fan, is next. What do you say, TJ? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, you know, <clears throat> I watched that Tennessee game, and, and just from, you know, an outsider's input, I feel like Tennessee is having the same problem as Kentucky is, but not on a bigger scale, of course. Um, you know, against Arkansas, they have those guys who can jump through the gym and they're athletic and tall and lanky kind of. Uh, and Oscar is, you know, your old school 20 years ago NBA Shaquille O'Neal, but not as big type of, of player. Well, Damian Collins got put into the game. He's 6'11". You all seen him. He's lanky. He can jump. To the ceiling. Well, he scored eight points in like seven minutes. He swatted two alley oops away and also caused two other turnovers. He didn't play the second half. Why? Oscar got beat up all game, couldn't score. He scored seven points. Damien scored eight. But you sit Damien the rest of the game. And I feel like that, that from listening to you guys in the drive, Rick has it in this in his mind that he's playing these same six or seven guys no matter what. Am I right or am I wrong? You're one hundred percent right. Right. One hundred percent. It's so frustrating, man. Like, do you, I don't. Of course, I'm not a coach. None of us are. But don't you play the player who has the hot hand? Uh, good coaches do. Yes. Good coaches do. And we don't really have anybody with a hot hand other than Zakai, who played terrible last night. He's played terrible the past two games. Yeah, he was yeah. 0 of 10. So I can't say we have anybody with a hot hand. We don't. I mean, it's it, it's just unreal that, like, these coaches, you know, Hall of Fame coaches getting paid 6 to $10 million a year, plus everything else that they earn throughout, you know, everything else. It's just so frustrating. And, and I, I've look, I've been where you guys have been on the wrong end of buzzer beaters. And then you think you got a good team going. I mean, on paper, Kentucky was supposed to be an elite eight final four team this year. I mean, you have here, here's what here's my issue with Kentucky. You've got the assist leader coming back, the back to back year assist leader in the SEC coming back in Xavier Wheeler. You have the National Player of the Year coming back, and then you have three five-star freshmen, and not to mention you have a guy who led three-pointers last year 
that came from Iowa and the all-time leading scorer from Illinois State. And you suck. How? With a Hall of Fame coach. I don't know, TJ, but I'm looking at a – looks like a peanut butter and banana cookie. This looks phenomenal. TJ, do you oh, like I cookies? Oh, I can't. Do I like cookies, buddy? Let me tell you. I ain't one of these muscular military men. I got a little fluff to me. I tell you what, I'll just, it's got peanut butter, chocolate, caramel, anything in it. I'm smashing it, man. Well, TJ, you remember the uh, the animal crackers? They got that nice sugar pink coating to them that were really good? Yes. That's on the crumble menu this week. Oh, my word. Oh, buddy, I'm about to. Mm. Well, I tell you what, I'm drinking the bourbon right now, but. Have a bite for me, and uh, man, hopefully we'll both get through the rest of this basketball season alive without a heart attack. I tell you that. Good luck the rest of the way, gents. Appreciate the phone call, TJ. Pleased to be joined by Logan Quentin of the 920 Podcast and the Varsity Spotlight here at Fan Run Radio. Logan, we're days away from baseball season. Yes, sir. Something that's going to be a lot more exciting than what we're experiencing right now with the basketball program, and it's been um, very turbulent the last few weeks with the basketball program. And I know you watched the game last night. I know you've been watching this pretty closely with me for the past few weeks now. And what are you seeing? Because right now I'm seeing a team that's playing scared. They're afraid to do what they know how to do because they're afraid of what's going to happen if they mess up and they know what the repercussions are going to be. Yeah, definitely. Looking timid on offense. And then like we, this goes back probably a couple weeks or more, just not a difference maker on, on offense. So, um, yeah, I don't. With the schedule ahead, man, they got to figure out something pretty quick because this thing can go. Uh, this can't. This thing can flip from what we were talking about just a week ago to, you know, a couple weeks from now. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about, but hopefully they'll get it figured out. Absolutely, and I see everybody like they're not even paying attention to a word you're saying. They're looking at all these cookies right now. Logan's bringing us some crumble cookies. So tell us what we got. Yeah, so, guys, don't forget, Valentine's Day is coming up. And, uh, you know, they've got a great rotation this week. Uh, there'll be a new rotation next week for Valentine's Day. But these things, you can put them up in the freezer. You can store them. You know, so, but this week we've got the traditional chocolate chip. The one you mentioned, the sugar cookie, is a frosted mother's version of a sugar cookie. We've got Kentucky butter cake. Uh, shout out TJ. I, I don't know what Kentucky butter is, but it's butter. So I'm hoping it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, chocolate cake, peanut butter banana, as you mentioned, and, of course, the classic pink sugar. And this week, uh, you know, they mix in mystery cookies every so often. For the Super Bowl, they're doing two mystery cookies this week, one at the Clinton Highway location and then one at Parkside Drive location um, one is themed for the Kansas City Chiefs. The other one is themed for the Philadelphia Eagles. Clinton Highway has it. They're going to call it the Red Cookie. Um, I don't. I I can't really give too much away, but I can. I can tell you, it's a very. Both are variations of an Oreo cookie. And that Oreo cookie. I mean, we destroyed that thing. Yeah. Like it. It was so good. I actually went and got a six pack of them when we left here that night. And then, of course, last week they had the cookies and cream. I'm really liking what I see in this lineup. I really – like, this takes me back to my childhood yep. with the animal cracker with the sugar coating on it. Like, that just takes me back to a day at the pool or at the, a day at the golf course as a kid. Absolutely. And the one 
Man, I like the exotic ones they do. Like this peanut butter banana one, that's probably one I'm going to smash. We got a cookie cutter in here. About to find no, that, out. Of- that thing, has, uh, it's time to put it on a milk carton. You know, I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to point fingers here, but I think, you know, somewhere along the way, the drive, I think, might be responsible for the loss. But, I mean. The people that want to blame everybody else for taking stuff when in actuality it's them taking it. Hmm. Yeah, we've been having to do caveman style here lately. I'm about to go in on this peanut butter and banana cookie, find out if I'm Elvis Presley, if I'm caught in a trap and can't walk out. <laughs> just use that uh, shot collar. It's pretty sturdy. Just cut it. Use a shot collar to cut <laughs> cookies. Matthew, I love you, but I'm not <laughs> using a shot collar to cut a cookie. Oh, man. So, Logan, we're days away. Yep. Week from how, tomorrow. How are we feeling? Uh, feeling good. You know, I'm diving into a bunch of teams and uh, been taking care of some Tennessee notes uh, recently. And this lineup I'm excited about. It's going to be a versatile lineup. And, uh, you know, a lot of concerns at the catcher position. That's one thing I think folks can look forward to going into opening weekend out in Arizona. And early on in the season, I think all th- we're going to see three catchers. Um, and it's going to be fun to see which one of those guys emerge. I'm excited about the transfers. Uh, the first episode of the 920 podcast, we had Griffin Merritt on. He's uh, the graduate transfer from Cincinnati. Love to hear what he had to say. He mentioned a lot of young guys, both in the rotation and in the lineup, where he mentioned there's so much talent on here, so much top-end talent. He quoted not normal in terms of the pitching staff mm-hmm. uh, with Chase Dolander, Chase Burns sort of leading the way. He He talked about how – Guys seeing their work ethic and how good they are, it raises the floor of the pitching staff and really the whole clubhouse in general. So I'm excited to see what some of these uh, younger arms are going to do or some of those less experienced arms, like a guy like Andrew Lindsay. He took the year off last year. He's a transfer from uh, Charlotte. He's got a four or five pitch mix. He's going to be fun to watch. Um, You know, it's it's really going to be exciting because it's going to be, you know, we had the the MLB draft darlings, if you will, last year, Jordan mm-hmm. Beck and Drew Gilbert. It's going to be a little bit different variety this year in terms of the lineup. But uh, on the pitching side of things, it's deep, man. It is real deep. And uh, if they stay healthy, I don't – I mean, Omaha's, you know, definitely <laughs> that that's – That's part of the conversation. Your, yeah, yeah. Who's our, third, uh, who's our third pitcher for the weekend rotation? So, I mean uh, – it should be Drew Beam. I mean, I, w- I would expect Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, uh, Chase Burns, Drew Beam to handle the weekend. I mean, it's their job to lose. Right. I wouldn't be shocked if something else happened or if you see a little bit of a mix-up just because you've got guys like Xander Sechrist, really Seth, good pitcher. Seth Halverson, and Camden Sewell that are all capable starters or relievers. And how do they manage that? And you can say, well, they can plug one of those guys in as a midweek guy every week. They That worked out great for Secrets last year. But at the same time, some of these younger names I mentioned, uh, you got like a Hollis Fanning, uh, Jake Fitzgibbons. There's, there are young pitchers, inexperienced guys at the bottom of the staff that need midweek starts. So it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that. My bold prediction in terms of the p- pitching, I think Seth Halverson, we – there's going to be a parallel to, like, Ben Joyce of last year in terms of how they use him. 
I think once he gets going, I think you're going to see Halverson used anywhere from one to five innings out of relief. I think you may see a couple of starts out of him. But I think at the end of the day, come May, June, I think Halverson is going to be uh, one of the tremendous weapons to come out of this uh, rotation. Absolutely. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Jason in Georgia is next. What do you say, Jason? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, not well. I, I guess I'm better now that Logan has brought me some crumble cookies. So, oh, those sound delightful. I, I just, I'm living vicariously through you, my friend. Enjoy those. <laughs> what's up, man? I will say this: I just drove by Krispy Kreme, and the hot now sign is on. So, I mean, hey, Ooh. that's about as close as we'll get to crumble cookies down here. Hey, buddy, they're good when they're cold, but, buddy, when that hot sign is on, it's it's game uh, on. And they just melt your mouth, man. Ain't nothing like it. Um, Hey, uh, like the baseball talk here, uh, there's a kid down here in uh, Lee County, Georgia, um, left-hander. I think he's about six foot. Uh, he's, a, he's a junior. Um. He throws mid-upper 80s. Uh, I know Tony V's on him right now. His name's Gavin Smith. He'll be one to watch out for. Uh, they just had their opener down here, and um, he's uh, he's being heavily recruited by the balls. So really, really good kid, good lefty, got good stuff. But, uh, man, last night, last night, okay, here's the difference to me between uh, Rick Barnes and Nate Oates. We're in a slump. Alabama goes to Oklahoma and gets run out of the gym. Who do they have next? Vanderbilt and beat them by 57. Last night was a get-right game for us, and we did not get right. And I just – I look at that whole team and, you know, look at how, how Tony V lets his guys be who they are, you know. I said it last night on, on VR, you know, the, the basketball team does not have a dude. Baseball has dudes, man, everywhere. Football has dudes all over the field. We don't have a dude on a basketball court. We don't have anybody who says, just give me the ball and I'm going to get us a bucket. We don't have that guy. No, we don't, and, and we haven't had that guy for a while now. I mean, last year you could say it was Kennedy Chandler, but before that, I mean, you know, I keep going back to that 2019 team, and it's almost like you trusted everybody on that team with the basketball. Yeah. It's like, okay, who's yeah. the ball going to go to? Okay, it's going here. Okay, I trust this yeah. guy. Yeah, you felt good with uh, with Grant getting it on the block. You felt good. Admiral getting it on the baseline. You felt good with the ball in Bones' hands, you know? I mean, you just uh, – man, it's just – it's frustrating to watch. And, you know, Heupel lets his guys – you know, I, I heard him say on, you know, one of his first interviews when he got the job, he said, you know, guys, he goes, we're going to coach our kids during the week, but when Saturday comes, we want them to just let it rip. And – we don't want them to play with any fear. Like, if we've done our job as coaches, you should be able to just go out there and do your thing and don't worry about it. Let the result take care of itself. And, Jason, it's, you know what that's a product of? Letting your guys go out there and have fun. Exactly. If you let them go out there and have fun and they're not in their own head, 
they're going to have fun and they're going to win ball games. Yep. And and uh, I think CG said it last night on VR when he said, you know, Phillips when he had the chance to take it to the rim and dunk it to go up four, he said there was a little tiny Rick Barnes on his shoulder whispering in his ear, you know. And I think that he has, you know, Barnes has taken the fun out of the game for these guys, and they played so tight. I mean, they legit play not to not to lose. And like football and baseball, they're like, "Hey, man, if y'all want some, come and get it." Well, I mean, that's like, you go back to that Alabama game in football. We had 15 seconds yeah. left. We could have very well just took a knee and took that thing to overtime. Josh Heupel yep. went to Hendon Hooker, and he yeah. said, what do you want to do? Do you want to go yep. win it now, or do you want to go to OT? And he let Hendon Hooker decide. And Hendon Hooker said, I'm hungry, let's go get it. And what did they do? Hungry, they went out go. there and they had fun for two plays to set up Chase McGrath for the game-winning field goal to end 15 years of misery and mediocrity. Yeah. And that's the difference, and I think where Barnes is, at the end of his career, he's just become aloof. And I don't see the fire, the passion. I mean, Hypo, Tony V, they bring it every day. And, I mean, you know, I just I just don't think winning is at uh, the top of, of Barnes' list, you know, list of, you know, his, his to-do list. I mean, I, he's a, he's a high-character man, and and he, 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 you know, mentors young, you know, takes boys, turns them into men, and God love him for that. But, and this is the University of Tennessee, and, I mean, when you've got, like, Phillips, man, he's a five-star athlete. I mean, and he has just crushed that kid. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, his draft stock has, has plummeted. But I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes ahead and goes and just go to the G League. Go to the G because. League, go overseas, do what you need to do. Jason, we got to run. We'll talk to you after a while. Logan, before you head out, I need you to tell us about this awesome app that you have turned me on to that has helped me realize you know, what my betting statistics are, what I need to start looking at more. And it's really just helped me out a lot because before I was using a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet trying to track all my bets that way but i'd have to manually go in and put them into the formula and you showed me something that just simplified all that for me and i don't even have to do it right so a couple of exciting things going on with the 920 podcast uh this season uh this is one of the ones we're going to announce and it's called the picket app the picket sports app uh just go download it um i will be putting out a promo code me and charlie both um you can use one of our promo codes and sign up you sync your betting sports book, your online sports book. All you got to do is just have one. And but the key is to sync it to the app. And like you mentioned, you can track all your bets. You can follow us, follow anybody on there, uh, and it shows their betting profile in terms of um, their rollover, their the the units they've won for the day or the week. It, there are so many features in there, like you said, that can help you as a sports better. As a handicapper, it lets you – the biggest thing to me, it lets you line shop. At one place that you can go and pull up, hey, here are all the lines. Here are all the prices. Uh, it goes such a long way, and we're excited to announce that, that we're partnering partnering up with them. 
you'll see more about it on social media over the weekend and certainly next week when we do the podcast. Appreciate you, Logan. Thank you for bringing in the cookies. Thank you for telling us about this and helping me save a lot of time on my weekends for sure. On picket code 920LOGAN. That's the promo code. So that's the promo code 920LOGAN on the Picket app. DM Logan or DM me for the details. Stay with us. Overtime continues. NBA Bo joins us next right here on Fan Run Radio. Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio, pleased to be joined by NBA Bo, the goat mentator, the guy that just so happens to know how to rhyme everything in life. Bo, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm great, fellas. It's good to be back on in the, the southeast. I'm out in Los Angeles now, but I lived down in Atlanta for years, so it's great to hear uh, some southern voices, man. Absolutely. So, it's funny because when I asked Bo to come on the show yesterday, the KD trade hadn't happened yet. And I wake up this morning and I'm like, oh my goodness, I could not have timed this any better. Just um, you know, a wild couple of days, of course, Kyrie going to Dallas and now KD going to Phoenix. And I'm just sitting here, it's like, wow, that Nets team, that was supposed to be the next super team. And they seem like they failed in every way that they could have. Yeah, if you set out to fail as superstar players, you couldn't have done much better than they did uh, as far as accomplishments. When they were on the court together, they were some of the best moments that we've ever seen in this league's history. Just looking at some of the numbers, apparently Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, their offense together would have ranked as the best in league history by a significant margin. But these two could not stay on the court together. Kevin Durant had several injuries. Kyrie Irving had injuries and just a laundry list of other reasons why he wasn't on the court. So it didn't work. Uh, and it's, it's a gamble that the Brooklyn Nets made. Remember, this is a franchise that was coming off another gamble when they put together Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, etc. That didn't work. This didn't work. Uh, and now they're left with a ton of pieces that are good pieces, very good pieces, but not really any superstars. So it's it's tough to see the direction that uh, the franchise is, is going to go. One thing I will say is their GM just had a press conference, and he said he wants to now put on the court a team that the fans can be proud of. And that, that says you hear the words that he's saying, but there's also some meaning behind that. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, here around Tennessee country, you know, Josh Richardson did great things when he was here and then turn into a pretty decent role player in the NBA, and it's not really what we were expecting. Of course, he's going to New Orleans. What do you make of that? Can he be just that extra added value in New Orleans You know that just puts him over the edge? Well, I think what's interesting about that trade is he does provide them uh, something that they don't have as much of. You know, he's a good wing defender. He can shoot it uh, at a pretty good clip when he's out there. So I think that there's some value there. The real thing with the New Orleans uh, squad for me is what's going on with Zion Williamson. It's just so difficult. The injuries are so tough. I I look back at his games and, and, you know, just before he gets injured, he's putting up 43 points, 36 points, 26 points, 31 points, 30 points. 
And then he's gone uh, the day after New Year's Day. And so this is a franchise left in limbo. And what I think about when I think about a guy like Richardson is he's going to have to play more significant roles and then be comfortable dialing it back again as players get healthy. And that's in this New Orleans franchise, that's going to be an important role. But if they're to get to the playoffs and they're to, to advance in those playoffs, I think they have to be healthy. But they have to have guys like Josh Richardson who are a little bit older, a little bit more veteran, and can handle the ups and downs of the NBA that, that they're going to be dealt with the Pelicans. Absolutely. We're speaking with NBA Bo. Check him out on Twitter, at NBA Bo. And, of course, LeBron James surpassed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to take the top spot on the NBA's all-time leading scorers list this week. But there's still a lot of people out there, I think everybody in this room included, everything always goes back to MJ. <laughs> everything always goes back to MJ. Like, you have the Jordan brand. We don't necessarily have the LeBron brand. But every time a comparison is made, where does it always go back to, Bo? It always goes back to MJ. Always. And I'll tell you a story. I was on the radio. This is how crazy the NBA has gotten. I was on the radio in Australia yesterday. And they were asking me about who's more famous in America, LeBron or Tom Brady. And I said, I think famous, maybe famous, not, not necessarily more accomplished or anything. I think famous, maybe LeBron. And then I asked them, who's the most famous American athlete? And they said, easily Michael Jordan. Not close. There's not another one that's in the ballpark. So uh, I just, it's, it's wild to me um, the impact that Michael Jordan had on the game. I always, you know, when people ask me who's the GOAT between MJ and Kareem and LeBron, I, I, I always say Jordan flew higher, LeBron flew longer. I think LeBron is amassing a ton of cumulative statistics. His peak was never as good as MJ's. MJ dominated the league in a way that LeBron never has. So I think that, you know, it's, it's sort of a pick your poison. The other thing I'd say is if, if you're listening to this and you're under 40 or under 35, why wouldn't you think LeBron was the GOAT? He's the best player you've ever seen. He's the best player this century. So I understand that. But w- what I'm saying is that he never had a run of absolute dominance like Michael Jordan had. Once Michael Jordan got that championship wheel rolling, uh, there was no stopping him. And the, uh, Michael Wilbon always talks about the feeling of inevitability when the Bulls and Michael Jordan were rolling. You just knew they were going to win a championship in the way that you knew that Kevin Durant's Warriors were going to win a championship, that it was a certainty. But it was always about Michael Jordan. It always went back to MJ, always. And I don't know that I, there is an American athlete that you can compare. Maybe, I mean, I think hockey people will say Wayne Gretzky, but I don't know, you know, that that's an American-Canadian sport. I just don't know that there's an American athlete that, that we've been able to see that's dominated quite in that same way. Absolutely. And the only thing that was going to stop the Bulls was Jerry Krause, and he ultimately <laughs> did. But, yep. you know, we talk about, Oh, well, LeBron has the most points all time. Kareem has the most points all time. But when you break it down by points per game, it's 1A, 1B. It's Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain sitting there at 30.1 points per game. Now, Well, and that's the thing. You're right. I mean, and that goes back to my point. MJ flew higher. He just did. MJ, MJ flew higher than the rest of these guys. But, you know, LeBron has flown longer. He's amassing more statistics. 
And that's not to denigrate LeBron's accomplishment because it's insane what he's been able to do. His statistics are nuts. The fact that he has been able to stay healthy that long is incredible. And if you value that more than a guy whose peak was certainly greater, then maybe you prefer LeBron. Uh, But for me, I saw that dominance firsthand. I went to those games. I was working in the NBA at that time. And anybody, I'll tell you a story. Sam Mitchell, former NBA coach of the year. Just just to give you an idea of the draw of MJ, Sam Mitchell was talking, you know, just before the pandemic, and he said to us, if every NBA player in the league is in one room, everybody's looking at LeBron James. This was in 2019, 2020. And one of our NBA TV producers looked over at him and said, what if Michael Jordan walked in? And Sam Mitchell deadpan in that instant, he goes, then nobody's looking at LeBron. That's the kind of power that Michael Jordan has. He walks into a room, he owns it, he's the biggest superstar we've ever had. Um, But, you know, it it just comes down to what a person values. Do they value that longevity more than they value that peak? Well, if you do, then LeBron may be your guy, but I tend to value who dominated, you know, a 10-year stretch unlike anybody else. Absolutely. And jumping back to the current era, you know, Matthew, my producer, he's a big Grizzlies fan. Davis, my co-host who's not here, he's a big Grizzlies fan. Of course, they acquire Luke Kennard today. And I think we just want to know, what do you make of the Memphis Grizzlies right now? Of course, there was an incident with John Morant, you know, with the laser situation and all that. Yeah. And it seems like they had the talent to make a huge playoff run. But they didn't do anything at the trade deadline other than get Luke Kennard when they could have made a bigger move. And just wanted to get your overall thoughts on the Grizzlies organization. Well, it's been up and down, you know, since about the middle of January. They went on that that tear where they're winning game after game after game after game. And it, I went and looked at the numbers, and they scored one over 120, like seven games in a row. They're just dominating offensively. Then they lose eight of nine, and in that stretch, they scored over 120 just once. Uh, additionally, this is one of the top rebounding teams in the league. They lose... Stephen Adams at the start of that losing streak. In the first two games after they lose Stephen Adams, who's one of the league's top rebounders, they get out-rebounded by 22 rebounds and by eight rebounds. So they started struggling, and they had to make uh, adaptations and adjustments with him out of the lineup. I don't think he's the most important player for the Memphis Grizzlies, but things were sort of knocked out of balance. And they've had to get things back in order, and they haven't shown that they really have yet. So I think, you know, they're, they are a substandard three-point shooting team. They're not awful, but they're not very good. Luke Kennard can shoot threes, so it should help. It should help in situations, in spots. It's not a big, glitzy move like the Mavericks or, you know, the Suns certainly made, or even at the level that the Lakers made, but it helps a need. Uh, I would love to see the Memphis Grizzlies sort of put it all together like they were playing early in January and make a run at it. Because I said last year when they lost to the Golden State Warriors, that's the last time these Warriors will beat these Grizzlies. I thought the Grizzlies were the team in the NBA on the up, and I believe that into January. So I don't know what's changed, but I can't imagine that it's not something that they could fix quickly if they get all their pieces in order and everybody's on the same page. And you're right, the thing with John Morant is out there. It really is. And so I hope there's a voice in that locker room, a veteran voice, 
that can get to him and can pull him aside and say, look, it's, it's time to really be an adult and focus in on the job at hand and, and sort of leave some of this craziness behind. That's what, uh, I mean, that's what all Memphis fans are wondering right now. It's like, we're such a young team that last season we had that veteran voice, which was Kyle Anderson. And, I mean, Stephen Adams is a vet in the league, but we were just, I think as a whole Memphis fan, we were thinking, like, I mean, the Lakers went out and got Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley, who basically they complete two of their roles they need was three-pointing and defense. And that's what we needed yep. as a team. And I'm sitting here as a Grizzlies fan, I mean, I'm not satisfied with what we did at the trade deadline. I mean, we got Luke Kennard, but I mean, you had the pieces. You have Dylan Brooks. So I mean, I, I don't know. His his stock is probably plummeting every single day. He's on the court. Correct. Yeah, and I mean, we're sitting there like, it feels like the Grizzlies organization. It it feels like we're scared to make a trade, and that internally, we don't have like a voice that is like a voice of reason. Like we don't have. Like you, Davis Haslam type guy that's been through everything and can get the team back on track. Well, I would hope that that would be Stephen Adams, but it might not be. They he may not speak that way. They may not listen that way in that particular locker room. Uh, what I would say, and I've I've had general managers tell me this before. Sometimes the best move you make is the move that you don't make. So internally, Memphis is calculating what they have, what they can put together, what's gone wrong in this bad streak. It's a really bad streak. So what's gone wrong? And do the pieces that they have that are injured solve that? Or do they need something from the outside? They decided to tinker around the edges. They painted around the edges by getting Luke Kennard. And so you're right. It's not a big splashy movement. One of the real challenges is, you know, satisfying a fan base. Because, you know, if you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan, you've got huge expectations right now. You see championship rings in your future. And when the team starts falling apart like this, and things start to get ugly like this, darn it, you want change. You want those rings because you felt like they were coming your way, so what's gone wrong? And it's very difficult sometimes for management to just say, hang on a second, I think we're okay, let's wait a beat. And they could be wrong. Memphis's management could be wrong, uh, and things may have gone haywire, and they may not be fixable. But my gut says that Memphis thinks that it is fixable, and that the little tinkering and everybody sort of getting on the same page after the All-Star break helps them out a lot. And the good thing for Memphis is they won so much earlier in the season that they have a lot of cushion. They have a lot of cushion. They're probably not chasing that one seed now, but they look like they have a home court series at least, and that's going to be important. Absolutely, Bo. Fantastic stuff. We're going to have a little bit of fun here before we let you go. So (laughs) earlier in the week, you know, when LeBron was about to break the all-time scoring record, we decided to have a little bit of fun. It's like, okay, name me your starting top five all-time. You can pick any era. You got to have point okay. guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. Who you got in yours? I can, I can do that. I can do that. Okay, so I'm going I'm to start backwards. I'm going to work my all-time. So these are the best players at the position. I'm going to say Kareem is your center. I'll go with, and this is this is the hardest position for me. Uh, power forward Tim Duncan, but that's close and that's very difficult for me. Um, small forward LeBron James, uh, absolutely dominant career. I don't think you can go wrong. Uh, shooting guard, the best player that's ever played the game, Michael Jordan. And then this is the one that's painful for me. 
I, I've never done this before except on your program right now. I think I'm going to slide Steph Curry ahead of Magic Johnson Ooh. and start him at point guard. That hurts me because Magic Johnson is the player that got me into this league. Magic has won more titles than Steph Curry. Magic was more immediately better in the league, but I think Steph Curry has reached such a height now uh, and has changed the game in such a way that I'm, I'm sliding him in there. But tomorrow you can talk to me and it could be Magic Johnson. That's an interesting take, and you know it's funny. We had actually talked. Uh, sorry to keep you on the air, but oh, no we talked about how Michael Jordan transcended the game, and how everyone wanted to be like Mike. Yep. And then, you know, of course, growing up, I wanted to be like Mike, and of course, I got to witness Kobe Bryant do that yep. first three peat in L.A. And then I got to witness LeBron, Carmelo, Chris Bosh, D Wade. I watched all those guys come through the league, and these kids growing yep. up today, they want to be like Steph. And you don't see as many guys driving to the basket. You start going to middle school games, high school games, and even an elementary ball around here. Guys are jacking up three because they want to be like Steph. Man, it's crazy. What you're saying is so true. I go to AAU stuff now, and people are shooting wild threes. I remember a couple years ago there was a video clip of LaMelo Ball shooting from half court in a game, just in a regular set in a game. So I, what, what you hit on is an interesting point to me. You may want to be like Mike but you can't be. Mike is sort of a one-off athlete. I think the same way of LeBron. I don't think it's realistic to be like LeBron. I don't think it's realistic to be like, now maybe the best player in the game is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I don't think it's realistic to be like him. However, Steph Curry, everybody can try to do things Steph can. You're not going to succeed in the way that Steph has, but you can at least try the stuff Steph does. And, you know, you can pattern your game after Steph, and you can get somewhere doing that. You really can if you work on your threes and work on your threes and you work on your threes. Not everybody can dunk from the free throw line, but a lot of people can learn to shoot threes well. So I think Steph, in some ways, is a bigger pioneer for change uh, in basketball than even the greatest players ever because he changed the way so many people play the game. Uh, and that's different than, you know, what you can do. You can't, you just can't simply replicate what Giannis does or LeBron does or particularly MJ. And I just think that, um, you know, I think that Steph has changed the game. And I'll give you something else, too. I've been thinking about the next evolution in basketball, and I think it's a guy out in Denver named Nikola Jokic. I think a lot of big guys could learn to play the game the way that he plays the game. He's the two-time defending MVP he may win it for a third straight year this year. That'd be the first time that somebody's won the MVP three straight times since Larry Bird. So I think that that may be the next evolution, but you always have to look at guys who you can pattern your game after. I think Steph and maybe even Jokic are, are two. Interesting stuff. Bo, tell us where to find you on Twitter. At NBA Bo, like you said, NBA B E A U. I do all the highlights on NBA.com. So, uh, yeah, check it out. I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. We had a blast. Let's do it again soon. Yep. Sounds great, man. That is NBA Bo, NBA.com. What an interview. That guy is, he's it. I, I, I'll bring this up in the next segment. Uh, I have a question for y'all next segment. I'll talk about it then. All right. Before we head to break, we do have some breaking news. In the college world, Texas and Oklahoma have reached an early set or an early exit settlement with the Big 12. They will begin SEC play in 2024, a year before they were supposed to. Each school will owe $100 million to the Big 12, but it is happening in 2024. 
100 million? 100 million dollars. It's about as the same as uh, what Jimbo Fisher's contract, right? Yep, you can either buy out Jimbo or buy out of your conference. <laughs> Stay with us. Overtime continues. More Fan Run Radio on the way. Final segment of Overtime, Fan Run Radio. Matthew, before I hit us with the breaking news, you said you had something to ponder. My question is, did Michael Jordan transcend the game more off the court, meaning globally? Did he he put the game on the global level? While did Steph Curry transcend the game more on the court for the common human being, layman's term, basically, because... You can't teach size. No, you. Not everybody's going to be six foot six, two twenty like Michael Jordan. Not everybody's going to be six foot eight, six foot nine, two hundred fifty like LeBron. But you can be any size and you can shoot three. Exactly. So that's why I asked my question. I think Michael Jordan, as we talked during the break, Michael Jordan did it on and off the court. Mm-hmm. But I think Steph Curry did it more. I wouldn't say more on the court, but he definitely. But it reached the common yes, man. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the one thing that stood out to me in his call, because, you know, he covers the NBL in Australia as well. Excuse me. But he mentioned, you know, they asked him, it's like, who's the most popular athlete in America? And he said, right now, probably LeBron James. And he's like, okay, well, in Australia, who is the most popular American athlete? Michael Jordan. And it's not even close. Because Why? Everything goes back to what, Bryson? Mike. Everything goes back to Michael Jordan. MJ, that black cat, they used to call him. But he, uh, I'm actually rewatching The Last Dance right now. Well, who was it that literally said, and wow, uh, that said he, they, like, he had like an aura around him. Like they felt his presence in The Last Dance. I forgot who it was. Am I, am I not even The Last Dance or an interview, but. I mean, I feel like that's how people felt. Absolutely. And, you know, he just mentioned, you know, if someone's doing an interview with LeBron James, Michael Jordan goes into the room. Where are all the eyes going? MJ. They're going to MJ. But why? Because everything always goes back to the GOAT. Wrapping up. Got time for one more call. Let's get him in here. Big Raj. What do you say, Roger? Oh, no, hold on. Jake, I'm doing good tonight. How you, how you doing tonight, Jake, tonight? Doing pretty good, Roger. We're trying to process this loss and, um, you know, exactly what yeah. happened. And, you know, we're starting to see a lot more fans get really aggravated with Rick Barnes. Yeah. We're starting to get really yeah. aggravated there because every time that we lose in a game like that, for whatever reason, he's throwing a player under the bus. And in my mind, Roger, that's just something you don't do as a coach. Right. Yeah. I'm sure you're right. Um, uh, I wanted to ask you, Jake, uh, are you doing a show? Uh, you're going to be doing a show tomorrow night? Absolutely, buddy. Yeah, we didn't do a show last night because the show coincided right. with the game. So it, yeah. it's really hard to come in here for an hour and be able to yeah. talk about what's going to happen. 
But when the game's going on, Raj, you know, we're not allowed to give play-by-play, and it's hard to watch the game and pay attention and then try to talk about it. Because, Roger, I'm not going to lie to you. I think it was two weeks ago, actually. Um, We tried to do a show during the game, and the second hour of the show was right at tip-off. And, Roger, I'm not going to lie, it was probably the worst show I ever had. (laughs) Oh, wow, wow. I heard heard that that night. It's hard to do a show, and uh, I'm saying it's hard to do a show and talk to you. So I'm saying why that and watch. So I'm saying, Sam, um, so I just wanted to ask you about the game last night. I guess I'll talk to the Super tomorrow night, but uh, more time. But that's why I asked you about the game last night. Jacob, I was I can see the game. I heard I watched some of it, uh, some of that the whole game. But that's why I asked you why uh, about the highlights. That's why I asked you is uh, I mean, what happened last night? I mean, you, you, you can't lose the venue like that. I mean, like, at the end, I said, how? Uh, see, I, don't know, I know you watched last night, right? Yeah, I watched um, the game, and what, what happened there at the end, Raj? Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, Julian Phillips yeah. should have went up and dunked that ball. That's, yeah. He does that 99 times out of 100 if he's in, still in high school. But I'm afraid yeah. that these guys are scared of Rick Barnes. And, you know, I think you and I talked about this last week, Roger, about how they're just playing yeah. scared. They're not having fun. Because when you're having fun, you're not thinking about, uh, oh, well, my coach is going to pull me out of the game if I do this, or he's going to make me run if I do this. If you're just having fun, Raj, you know, Julian yeah. Phillips is going to dunk that ball. And at the end of the game, when Vanderbilt hit that three to win, um, uh, Roger, we just uh, left the hottest guy on the floor wide open. I mean, we didn't have a guy within 10 feet of him. You know, we tried to collapse yeah. the paint. And it's like, okay, well, if he makes this layup, we go to overtime. We can win in overtime. Okay. But you can't yeah. leave the hottest guy on the floor open for a corner three like we did, and that's why nah. we lost. No, you're right, Jackie. You're right. You're right with that. You can't do that. Now, I, you wonder if it's hard. You think that 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 you you think that you think that you think that you the, the defense is being kind of a little bit uh, kind of, I know Rick Barnes in front of well, my defense, do you think that he's, uh, think they get tired, think they're you know, tired maybe, that's why they're not playing as well, because they get tired maybe? That's a good so observation, not, Roger, because, you know, they are looking yeah. like they're playing tired. They look gassed. They look like they are out yeah. of breath. You know, for whatever reason, you know, obviously they're tired because they're working out and they're doing sprints and, you know, they're making them run in practice and all this. But they're gassed by the time they get to the game, and it's like, what are yeah. like, what's going on in the strength and conditioning program? You know, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think we talked about uh, Jeremy, the difference between Jeremy Pruitt and Josh Heupel, and why everybody adapted to him so well, Raj. And some yeah. something that Bryson and I were talking about before the show was the fact that you had Jeremy Pruitt, you know, this military like coach, and then you had Josh Heupel, yeah. who was a players' right. coach, and he wants them to have fun, go be themselves. Right. I mean, Roger, the Alabama game, when there was 15 seconds left after Alabama missed that field goal, Josh Heupel looked at Hendon Hooker, and he said, do you want to play for overtime, or do you want to win it now? And he let Hendon Hooker decide. And Hendon Hooker said, I'm hungry, I want to win. And they did. Ah, Rick Barnes strikes me as that military-style coach. It's like, it's my way or the highway. But then you look at somebody like Nate Oates at Alabama, and those guys look like they're having fun, Roger. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you wonder what I mean. I mean, I got. I mean, I do. I hope I'm still gonna hold on. I like Rick Barnes. I'm hold on. I'm gonna give him a chance. I'm gonna give him a chance to. I'm gonna give him a chance to. I'm gonna give him a chance to turn around. But they gotta do do something. Rick Barnes needs. He needs. I mean, I got. I got faith in Rick Barnes. I like his guy. So I met him. So I got a guy. So he's nice. So he's a good. 
script and guy. So I'm, I'm giving him some time to. I'm mean, again time, but I want to ask you, but uh, teach him what do you do to turn stuff? Uh, what do you do to get team uh, to turn stuff around? You think you think give him pay better? You think Jake? Jake, we, just we, go we out there. And him, the best thing to do, Rog, is to let the players go out and play the way they play. Yeah, you got Julian Phillips yeah. over there, a five star. You've got Josiah Jordan James, who was a five star. You got Vescovy, a high four, and you need to let those guys be themselves. Let them play oh, the yeah, style of sure. ball that they want to play. Let them go out and have fun because when they start having fun. It becomes yeah, oh, fun yeah. for everybody. The environment in the arena gets better. You know, there's a better vibe around yeah. the team. That's what is yeah. going to make this team successful. So just let the players be themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. And you can't. You got you to win games again. You can't. can't you can't lose games like that. So you got to do better. You got to find a way to do better than that. You got to. He. I don't care about Bob, but he even said he told Bob and him that they got to. They got to do better. They can't. It's not. It's cute and everything. It's cute and everything. So he knows he got to do better. So hopefully they get better. You think they can get better? You get faith they can get better? I think uh, every, everybody at every point in the season, I think, has a chance to be better. But, Rog, I know you were around for yeah. this because this was yeah. one of my first years that I actually ever got to watch Tennessee basketball. It was 2000 in the 2001 season when Jerry Green was in his last year as the head coach. And Tennessee had a really good team that year. But then that last uh, those last eight games, Rog, the first five of them yeah. we lost, and then we got bounced right. in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And before he got fired, Raj, I still yeah. don't know what he meant by this. Like th- this happened twenty-two years ago, and I still don't know what he meant by this. But Jerry Green, in his press conference, said, yeah. "If you all don't like what I'm doing as a head coach, then you can go to Kmart." Hmm. Roger, I don't wow, know what wow. that meant, and I still don't know what that means, buddy. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I, 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 I need about time. So, uh, you, you have a good night, okay? Appreciate the phone night. call, buddy. Love you. Roger. Making his presence felt like he always does. Any final thoughts, guys? No. Bryson, you look like you are ready for dinner and... I just This show has brought back all the emotions of last night after the game, so I've had enough of Vanderbilt tonight. <laughs> Matthew just beat Missouri and win basketball games (laughs) that's gonna do it for us thank you Bryson thank you thank you Matthew thank you something else coming up next right here on WKGN tune in tomorrow for three and out right here on Fan Run Radio